Hold Fast Radio, episode number six. So this one, I've had some reservations on putting this out there. Uh, as much as I do talk about what I'm about to today with other people via social media, friends, just in general, um, something about recording it and putting it out there and it's kind of out there forever for anybody to uh, listen to again just kind of makes you hold back a little bit and that's where I've been. That's why this is coming out a little bit later than normal because I didn't know if I wanted to. I knew that I wanted to, but the thought of actually hitting publish and having it out there made me a little nervous. So I've mentioned before and people who know me personally or through Facebook, Instagram, that kind of stuff, they know that I've been sober for a little over three years. Actually, Monday was three years and four months. And I thought I'd share a little bit about how all this came about and how things started for me and what caused me to go down this path of sobriety and and how that's worked and what I do to maintain that. Um, and just share that story a little bit today. So I don't think mine is much different than a lot of people, you know, usually in that high school period, you know, some, a friend gets a hold of some parents, beer, booze, whatever it is. And, you know, you try it out. I grew up in a house where my dad was a pretty heavy drinker growing up and got sober when I was in seventh grade and has been ever since. Um, but it was always just had this negative stigma. So it was never really anything that I entertained until one night at a friend's house when I decided, hey, I'm going to give this a try. You know, I always had the thought in my head if I had one beer, I'd be trashed, thrown up, blacking out, passed out, all that. So I didn't really know what to expect. And I remember that night, it was just this, wow, this is like, I understand why people do this. You know, it was like, I, I, I get why people drink alcohol. This is, this is awesome. Right. And then, you know, it would be here, or there, hit or miss a weekend here, a weekend there with friends, but it was never, it was something I kept secret from my family is it was, had such a negative stigma and there was such a, so much drama that came to our family because of alcohol that I couldn't let my parents know. So it wasn't a very frequent thing as a teenager and, and through high school, but it was, I sure did like it, right? Um, but I had self-control. It wasn't something that took over for me back then. It was just an occasional thing, and it was fun. Um, come around to 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, I'm transitioning out of my parents' house. It became more and more frequent. Um, you know, then you're able to go out to the bars and, and do all that. And it just, it became almost an everyday thing, not necessarily getting drunk, but having something almost every day. And this probably continued most of my adult life from 2021 all the way up 
pretty much until I quit three years and four months ago. They have periods where it'd be big time partying, like multiple times a, w- a week, weekends you don't remember. Um, it caused a lot of problems in my life. I got a DUI when I was 23 years old. Um, spent a few days in jail over that one. Cost me a ton of money, my driving privileges, all of that. And the night that I got out of jail, I drove to a keg party. (laughs) So not only did I not learn, I went directly to a party and did the same exact thing that I just got out of jail for. I mean, just to show you where the where my mind was at at that time, at 23 years old. Like I said, this just continued, and there'd be times where it would be very casual here and there, whatever, but for the most part, every weekend, from Thursday night through Sunday evening, nonstop. And not every weekend, but a lot. Wait, you know, three out of four weekends a month, for sure. Um... You know, it wasn't just the DUI. It caused me problems with getting in fights, getting kicked out of places, harmed friendships with friends or relationships with friends. Um, Just caused a lot of drama, but you can't see it because that's your thing, right? When, When you're in it, you don't see it. It's like, that's somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. I don't see what what their problem is with what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just me. And so you can't make sense of it at all. You, you don't care to because you're just, you're being so selfish that nothing else matters. Um, you know, fast forward to July of 2016 Uh, Probably not that far. Earlier that year, 2016, my kid's mom and I decided that we were no longer going to be together and it was better if we separated and and moved down the path of divorce. Figured it'd be better for us personally, be better for the kids. Like everything would, we can't do this together anymore. We can't model what a healthy marriage, a healthy relationship looks like for them if we stay together. And when she moved out right after our son's second birthday, this is where it gets tough to talk about, but I went headfirst into my drinking. Like every single night to the point where I'd wake up on the couch, the floor, a chair, and stumble my way into bed, go to bed, get up, go to work, go to the gym, and do it all over again. It was just this constant cycle. And nobody knew about it. Nobody had a clue. Nobody at work. Because I kind of put myself in lockdown mode because I was drowning out all these feelings of failure, of abandonment, shame, guilt. All these negative emotions I wanted to drown out that I, I, I couldn't feel any of the the super high moments either. And so, and so I just kind of hid myself. You know, I'd go out with friends once in a while here and there. Um, 
but for the most part, I'd, I had my routine, you know, go to work, go to the gym. On the nights I didn't have the kids, I had a couple places I would stop and have a couple drinks, and I'd go home and, you know, finish myself off for the night with a bunch of vodka tonics or vodka Red Bulls, whatever it was, um, and then start that process all over again. So I did that for about five months, I suppose, you know. August, September, October, November, four months, four and a half months, somewhere in there. Um, and then one night, it literally just, it's like somebody flipped a switch on in my head. And I, I said, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I was completely worn out, exhausted. Felt like I was, you know, I, I had failed as a husband. I was failing as a father. I was, everything was falling apart around me and literally it just you need to take a 30-day break is what I told myself I'm gonna take 30 days and and see where I'm at like is this a real problem is this a habit like why why am I doing this to myself and to the people around me so I committed to myself to take a 30-day break I committed to some friends so that I had accountability and somebody to to hold me to what I, what I said I was going to do. And the next weekend, I, I didn't have my kids. They were with mom. And so I decided to go for a drive and go hiking on these cliffs about an hour away from home. And just walk through the woods and just listen to some audio books and just spend a day out there and just get into my own head and figure out what I'm doing. I'm listening to this podcast. And there's a couple guys on there now who have become very good friends, of my, very dear friends of mine. My buddy Larry and Jason, and they were on a, a interviewing a couple other guys, Rory Fairbanes and uh, Shane Raymer. Shane has that that sober guy radio podcast, and they were talking about this these ninety day and one year challenges. So that day, I committed to do a ninety day challenge. I'm gonna go ninety days alcohol free. It was only like a week in to my thirty days, but I committed to another nine, you know, to do a full ninety. And, you know, throughout this, I, I, I've never, I didn't until just a few months ago ever go to a meeting of any sort. I just, I made this commitment to myself and kept, had other people around to hold me accountable to that. And as I'm going through this process, just the everything got better. The longer I was away from the alcohol, the, the better I slept. You know, I started seeing, actually seeing results from spending so much time at the gym. I made better food choices. I was able to communicate better. And it just, there, there wasn't an area in life that wasn't improving. So I couldn't see going back. And as I got close to the end of this 90 days, I made a commitment to go another full year. So what started out as 30 days to 90, to now I'm gonna go a year. Um, and I did, I hit that year. And, the, and this, I'm making it sound like it was a lot easier than it was, but it was a struggle at times. Social situations could be tough at times. Um, hanging out with certain people couldn't happen anymore. You know, like a lot has changed, I, I would, you know, when you're, when you're going through the process of, of a divorce, like there's, there's just so much there. And I wanted to resort back to these old ways of not feeling those, 
those feelings, the shame, the guilt, the fear, the anger, the sadness, all of that. I didn't want to feel those things, but now I was allowing myself to sit in those things and feel those and, and understand the impact that they had on my life and the impact it was going to have on my kids and everybody else. Like, if I go back to that, what, is, what does that do then? And so I just, I, I committed to myself that I can't go back to that. So after that one year, I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. That's when I started adapting the, the mentality of one day at a time, as they talk about in AA and NA and all that. Like, it's just one day at a time. And I still make that commitment each day, a little over three years in, and I still make that commitment each day. So today I'm not going to drink. Someday there's zero temptation. There's other days where you're like, it comes out of nowhere. Don't get, everything's going right. There's nothing major going on right now, but why do I want to do this right now? Why, why is this feeling creeping in? You know, and in this process now of, of buying a house again, and you know, at the beginning of this process here, a couple months ago, I was driving around looking at a few different houses and I'm, just getting stressed out because nothing's looking at nothing's what I want or what I need for me and the kids and drive up by this apartment building and there's this guy I'm guessing in his mid-50s walking he's got a case of beer under each arm he's kind of hunched over he looks like he's he's seen better days and I looked at him and I thought to myself like I want to be that guy I want to be him right now here I am stressing about trying to find a home for me and my kids and to create this better life and to, to have something more. And this guy's biggest worry right now is getting in that apartment and drinking those beers. Like, how easy would that be? Let's just go back to that. Why not? You know, and those thoughts, they, so they pop in my head still to this day over three years sober man, I could be that guy and that could be my biggest problem today. But instead I get to, you know, the problems I'm having, I'm kind of, I'm creating myself because I'm trying to be better. So when you're trying to grow and you're trying to build something more and something new, there's new problems, right? Like, but to be stuck in that old way of doing things and that old way of thinking that was always my biggest concern too was well when can I get off work so I can go do that when can I go get drunk have a couple beers whatever it was and you know I had to snap myself into reality and I had to make a phone call to a friend to say listen man this is where my head's at right now like well how's that going to serve you how does that serve your kids you know, so it, it's having those people around that you can surround yourself with that are going to hold you to a higher standard, and they know what's best for you even when you don't, when you can't see it. Sometimes we can get blind to, to what we're trying to do and resort back to old thinking and old patterns. And luckily I didn't. And Like I said, this is just a couple months ago. And that didn't happen. And I'm very thankful. I'm thankful to have somebody that I could get a hold of. I've got many people I can get a hold of if that, those thoughts and desires come back. Um, can easily do that. And 
And I know there's lots of different ways of staying sober. Um, there's your 12-step stuff that clearly has worked for millions of people, and it's awesome. That's For the people that works for, that's great. Um, and then there's, you know, I, I'm involved with a thing at the gym, this sober active community called the Phoenix that started in Colorado. And we have a, a Minnesota chapter of that now that, that we run out of the gym on Sunday mornings where it's sobriety through, through fitness, right? That's something that some people use. That's a tool people use to, to stay sober. And maybe they use that along with a 12-step program or whatever else it is that they do something through their church, any other kind of sober community. <clears throat> There's a million different ways to do it, and you got to do what works for you and kind of pull back that judgment out of other people for not doing things the way that you do it. Because just because they do it different doesn't mean that it's not successful and it doesn't work. And one of the, I think the biggest thing <clears throat> for me that's been, made the biggest impact is I, I've convinced myself This is always hard to say, but I've convinced myself that if I go back to that way of living, that at some point, if my daughter decides to get married, that I won't be there to walk her down the aisle. And that is a truth to me, that if I go back to doing that, that I won't be there to walk my baby girl down the aisle someday. And when you make that the reason and your why for doing what you do each and every day, you, I don't know how I could ever do that. It doesn't mean that the thoughts don't come back. They do. And then I go back to this truth of I won't be there for my daughter on her big day if I go back to living the way that I was. And I can't be the father, the friend. Whatever role I play in life, in people's lives, I can't be that if I go back to that way of living. It won't work. And so, you know, I just thought I'd share this story today. And for somebody needs to hear it, I don't know. It's super hard to put this out here, but it's, there's somebody out there, and I hope you hear this, um, that you, if it's a thought that you've entertained of, of giving this up, and even if it's not alcohol, if it's any, anything that's, any habit that's not serving you and moving you forward in life, if you're thinking about giving it up, just try it for 30 days. You can do anything for 30 days. And if you need help in that process, find somebody to help you do that for that 30 days and see how your life improves. And it's, I think you'll be amazed at getting rid of these things that, that hold you back and slow you down and don't allow you to be who you truly are. I am now at 40 years old. finally able to really be myself. There's no longer 
I talked about on the last episode with these social contracts. That that was a big part of these contracts I had built with people was that that was the guy and I wanted to be the chameleon and I would fit in with any little group. Like if I'm hanging out with these people, I'm going to act this way. And if I hang out with these people, I'll hang out that way. And now you just get me. Because I don't know how else to act because I don't have anything hindering my mind and, and you know, allowing me to be different. I just choose to show up as me. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, that's cool too. So this can be a message of hope to anybody, and I hope that it can, just to let you know that you can, you can do whatever it is that you set your mind to, and then give yourself a big enough why to keep you on track while you're doing that. And I'm always available. You can always reach out to me. You know, there's the Instagram page for Hold Fast Radio. Message me on there. There's the Facebook page for it as well. If you know me personally, call me. Text me. Whatever it is, because I've been there. And I don't want to go back. And I know what it's like to have people put a hand out and help you up and help you along the way. And if I can be that for somebody else just through this podcast episode or in a one-on-one interaction, then, then let me be that person for you. And I guess with that, we can end this episode number six. Appreciate you guys who've been listening so far. The feedback's been great. Um, it's, it's a weird thing to just talk into your phone and publish it out there for people to listen to. But it's been really fun to just throw some random thoughts out there and, and start some random conversations with people I probably would have never even talked to before. So with that being said, I'm going to run. hope you guys have an amazing week and weekend. And we'll catch you uh, next week with episode number seven. We'll see you.